0: We're going to enjoy this tonight, but on Friday, we're going to have another team meeting and we're going to get locked in on next year.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to a special edition of Protect the Rock, the Clemson podcast from The Athletic. I'm Nicole Auerbach. She's Grace Rayner. We are coming to you as we are self-isolating, self-quarantining. Um, everyone is. And we are happy to be joined by our colleague on the NFL side, Aaron Reese. Aaron, thanks for joining us. How's uh, how's your quarantine going?
2: Yeah, I've uh, stayed busy and distracted, I guess. So that's better than not. <laughs> but uh, but it's uh, been getting taking some getting used to, like everybody else, I'm sure.
1: Well, NFL free agency going on has been kind of surreal. I mean, I, like I don't know about you guys, but I'm seeing my Twitter feed is like all this stuff about like you know global health, the pandemic, what people can do, and then it's like boom, Tom Brady is leaving. Boom, DeAndre Hopkins got traded. It's just like. Very jarring. And so I'm sure it's a weird time for you, Aaron, to be covering that and also like in the context of the real world.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. Uh, I think that too It is funny. It does feel like everything I'm consuming is basically split into one of two uh, uh, sort of feeds or topics and nothing else in between.
0: Aaron, I want to ask you. Obviously, I I feel like first of all that you're like kind of an honorary Clemson beat writer. Like we, I feel like we're always (laughs) we're always chatting constantly on Slack, and we finally got the chance to meet in person at our summit. But um, I mean, it's no secret there's a huge Clemson overlap, or was a huge Clemson overlap. Was yeah. (laughs) With your job, I want you to talk us through just kind of everything that happened on that day with DeAndre Hopkins at the time that we're. Recording this, he has since tweeted that this is being blown way out of proportion. Like, can you kind of walk us through what happened?
2: Yeah, um, well, so the I guess the the main thing is kind of that uh, he uh, he basically, you know, the NFL is such that every contract resets the market at the position. And so he signed a a deal um, a few years ago that uh, at the time gave the most guaranteed money of any receiver. And But he had three years left on the deal, and he basically felt he was uh, underpaid relative to other guys at his position, like Julio Jones, and, uh, and more recently, Warren Cooper. Uh, so he won a new deal. Uh, Bill O'Brien is the, new to being the Texans uh, GM, while also being the head coach, and uh, he didn't want to set the precedent of paying a guy three years out. So... He uh, thought he needed to trade DeAndre Hopkins. I think uh, people could say maybe that part alone is somewhat defensible, or that's that's a reasonable idea if you don't want to set that precedent. Um, but the the value he got back, obviously, was, was pretty bad. Everyone kind of um, panned the deal. And then uh, I think what DeAndre Hopkins is responding to today uh, was Michael Irvin. I actually haven't gotten a chance to watch the segment, yet, but Michael Irvin went on um, Get Up and compared, uh, said that Bill O'Brien told DeAndre Hopkins that he um, was somewhat like uh, aaron hernandez and criticized him for having mothers with um multiple multiple mothers for uh with his kids something of that nature so kind of, kind of a weird thing and that's and deandre hopkins uh, replied to that saying it's all being blown out of proportion and i think probably now all the, all the drama will will die down but yeah it's been a it's been a weird few days
1: seriously jeez, seriously weird <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i actually i did see that clip and the whole thing is just is just nuts. And, and I think that it's in, it's kind of in the context of like what Tom O'Brien has done. But you called it like his worst trade. Um, a lot of people, like you said, have panned it. Um, it's just it's just so bizarre. I mean, what what is the impact for Arizona to get him? Obviously, uh, basically a steal. But like, what does that mean? You know, just in terms of a player like that going to Cliff Kingsbury's team. I mean, maybe Cliff is just stealing all of our favorite college players. Grace, that could also be what's happening here. We're going to become Arizona Cardinals fans.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a um, you know, it's 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 still it's pretty huge because you know people uh, people had been um, saying that. You know, like, he was maybe in a decline. That was kind of the one argument for why they uh, – it was reasonable to trade him, basically because his yards per reception and his yardage numbers were down. But, I mean, he still had, like, 1,100-something yards, and he was, I think, like, third in first down catches. And if you actually look at the numbers, like, a, a little bit further, his – the average depth of the target was the lowest of his career, which is, you know, f- a function of play calling in the offense. And so that that can indicate why his, his yardage numbers were down to I me. Mean, he was really declining. Um, so, I mean, it, it's massive. He's still, without a doubt, one of the three best receivers in the league. And uh, that's why people are so upset because the Texans didn't get anywhere close to, um, you know, market value for him.
0: Aaron, you had a really cool story that I'm so glad you got to report before all this happened um, about (laughs) about Nuke playing basketball at at Clemson and so um, for those of you I'm sure most of the Clemson fans have devoured that because it was a really awesome story but can you kind of walk us through how you um, found out about that and reported that and, and where people can check it out now the the new Arizona Cardinal fans
2: yeah you know i uh, um I think I, I messaged you uh and asked like if you knew of any good stories about this because I, I came across it um I came across it on on twitter and and just had seen a video of someone kind of making fun of how the highlights were really really bad um I think it was like around during the playoff the NFL playoffs and uh, I just, just stalked it away as like oh it's an idea to do later but I wondered if anyone had already done it, and I really didn't find anything about it but you know it kind of made sense because at the time, right, he was, he, like I wrote the story, he, he was coming off like a good freshman year, but it wasn't like he, anyone knew at the time necessarily he was going to be a first round pick or this little um, like Clemson legend and stuff. So it uh, wasn't really covered and, and Clemson basketball was uh, obviously not the, the hottest thing on campus. And uh, But it was fun to kind of go back and, and talk to guys because, you know, everyone was kind of saying, uh, you, they all had kind of this, some, some version of the same story of, you know, like this guy would do these, have these amazing moments in practice and. It wasn't necessarily enough to make up for the fact that there were things he wasn't good at because he didn't practice like all year round, like dribbling and shooting, but potential was clearly there. And and it's kind of like this one weird memory that these guys all have with him that, you know, no one else really has because everyone else views him as this, uh, you know, all pro football player, not this walk-on basketball player who barely played, but was just like a really kind of fun practice player.
1: That's awesome. I love love when we get glimpses at that because obviously these guys are freak athletes, but They're kind of freak athletes at everything involving athletics, and you know we kind of forget that sometimes because we think of them as like such a specialized skill set. And so I love hearing things like this, Um, you know, and especially I mean, Grace, you can talk about this. We've seen a lot of Clemson players (laughs) love their pickup basketball. I mean, yeah, like all the receivers. You know, I talked to T Higgins about last year. These guys, they love their pickup basketball. I would love to see
0: Hunter Hovind and T Higgins on the same pickup court.
2: Yeah, that w- there was. Uh, I-, I heard in uh, in when I was doing reporting on this too that uh, like I guess the Clemson football staff would play pickup games against uh, the basketball staff, and like someone told me that uh, Dabo loved basketball, but he would never pass the ball.
0: Oh yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> I've heard that he's a chucker. And actually, no, I haven't even heard that. Brad Brownell has seen gone it. on record
2: saying that.
1: And you've you've been in media Olympics around Dabo at his house.
0: I have seen it. Seen... The home court advantage is a real thing at Dabo's house. He's pretty good at his house, but. Um... I've heard that he's. Uh... <laughs> anyway, that's a that's a story from a different time. But yeah, apparently his defense is a little suspect, also.
1: Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Um, Aaron, since we've got you, and it is such a dead period with no live sports happening, um, tell us about covering Deshaun Watson and um, you know what he's been like at the pro level. Obviously, um, you know we've covered him in in the college space and big fans. Um, first off, now it it looks like he does not have much help around him. But besides that, um, what's he been like to cover?
2: Yeah, well, uh, you know, I was uh, when he had the the moment that uh, went uh, kind of viral. uh, Some people viewed it as uh, dunking on the reporter. I was (laughs) I was that reporter, so uh, it was. um, We talked about that uh, on this podcast.
1: We loved it. Yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah well thank you I uh I was glad that uh it seemed like the world kind of came around to to my side of the whole thing but you know I mean <laughs> I it was uh I, I I at the time I mean even was like appreciative of um the answer I don't know I, I didn't take it it was weird to kind of see that it take off in that framing because when it happened in the moment I didn't necessarily view it um as such I just kind of I thought maybe he was annoyed but that and he seemed to this part isn't really taken in the clip but I mean, earlier, a few questions earlier, he had said something like, uh, "You know, the the coverage they're playing didn't let us connect on deep balls." So then, my question, I said, "You know, the coverage they're playing," and I think he thought I was trying to show him up for half a second, and you can kind of see his face turn when he realized that uh, that wasn't what I was doing, and it was referring to something he said previously, and then he gave it a really good answer. And so, um, the the next day, because I, you know, it obviously became this huge thing at that point. I just I went up to him in the, the locker room and was like. Uh, you know, hey, I, uh, I I don't want you to think I you know think I'm smarter than you or do this any better than you. Like I, I'm not I'm not dumb enough to believe anything like that. Uh, and I like just genuinely appreciate you giving me um, kind of information like that. I wish you guys did them more because I'm sure everyone would, would would benefit from it. And he said something to the effect of like, yeah, you know, I think um, a lot of people kind of don't necessarily uh, process just like how difficult. Uh, the the job is and i was just trying to give some more of a, a window into kind of what uh was going on because uh, it seemed like it was hard to explain that throughout the course like the whole press conference or whatever and then uh and then he said but you know like we're cool no worries and then uh he stuck out his elbow for me to bump which was now i think about as like a little bit of ahead of its time
1: wow yeah it's it's yeah. it's almost like he he knew all the, <laughs> the new health measures right. that would right. that would become the new greeting <laughs> Um, what was it like to be in the middle of like a, I don't know, it became like such a thing, such a media, um, sensation. And I mean, I'm sure you're getting like thousands of Twitter messages. Like, what was it like to be in the middle of that when, like you said, that people thought like at first that he was dunking on you and then really everyone kind of came around and understood that it was just a great way to get a really thoughtful and, um, interesting answer.
2: Yeah. You know, um. I think uh and, and you guys obviously know this being reporters yourself like it's um you know we kind of we want to make sure that people just kind of feel we have to interact with most like know us on some sort of like personal level like whatever it is that they have something that identifies you as like um as a- x person uh, and and this whole group of media people and uh so for, for me at least like it was kind of Nice because I felt like, you know, the NFL quarterbacks and stuff are so insulated and and you don't really get a lot of chance to know them on a very personal level, a lot of them at least. And so um, it gave me something kind of like I had, I shared this like uh, moment in some way that we were both um, at the center of and, you know, it gave us something to talk about. And then, like, in in the future, you know, someone later in the season was trying to ask them in a press conference about, like, if he views himself as, or he likes to view himself as kind of like a, a smart quarterback, I guess, or something like that. Like, did he, um, did he kind of appreciate that people noticed how, what he knew when he gave that answer. And and he like pointed to me while he was talking and, and gave this whole thing of, you know, just like how uh, I'm just trying to explain the game to one person. And, and it, it felt like kind of, I guess to say like, it felt like he kind of uh, was just like recognizing you as an individual and, uh, and trying to just make a connection. And that's something that I think can be really hard a lot of times. Uh, but I did think it was funny after the, after the whole thing happened, like for a couple of weeks it kind of became a bit like I think the next week someone said like last week you gave such a great answer like explaining the Panthers could you do the same like (laughs) like, what happened today against the Falcons and and then he did it but it was like I I was really kind of after that I was really Worried that it was going to be like Ever after every game, is this what we're going to do? <laughs> like, uh, because, you know, it would get kind of, would, but because everyone would benefit from it, but I was like, well, this would get kind of tired. Like, is he just going to start? Is he just going to start the press conference off being like, so today they were playing? You know, like, um, luckily, luckily, that's not what happened. But everyone kind of came out of it, I think, feeling a little more appreciative of uh, his insights and that he was willing to to share some of them.
0: I think that's super cool, and I mean, this could have just been a major coincidence, but. After that happened, Trevor Lawrence had a, I mean, it was a much more scaled back version of it, but um, there was like a moment at Clemson a couple weeks later where Trevor kind of got into the nitty gritty of coverage. And I was like, hmm, wonder if he saw Deshaun. I don't know. I mean, I know like football is so secretive and, and obviously they're not going to come out here and tell everyone exactly what they're seeing, but it's, it's nice. It's so we can be educated to say, okay, we're trying to look at this through your lens. Like, what do we need to know?
2: Yeah, exactly, and and you know I think a uh, um, a lot of a uh, a lot of people were kind of like afterwards. Uh, th- so there was the side of people that were like felt like dunking on the reporter, the side of people that were of my side, and then I felt like there was this other third branch of the whole thing that was kind of just like this is stupid for even going viral. Like he's not even saying anything. Like this is just like basic stuff that anyone would know. And um, but I think that kind of like missed the point. Is that okay? Well. If it's picking up so much traction, then it's clearly something that I think a lot of people um, don't necessarily know—the uh, casual cons- like observer—and and even if they do, maybe know some of those um, those concepts, right? They probably don't aren't necessarily seeing it all unfold uh, in the moment in the game and stuff uh, because you know football moves fast from play to play, and like uh, unless you've done a long time, it can, it can be. Not so obvious. To everything that's happening, even what you think is happening, it's not so. It's actually happening, and so um, I, I think it was. It was just kind of really cool to that, that someone who obviously everyone can appreciate his uh, his perspective, and, and he's a legitimate source. Can uh, you know open up the game to be kind of more consumable for everybody?
0: For sure. Um, okay, my last question for you, Aaron, is knowing what you know about Deshaun, and so you actually know Deshaun a lot better than I do. I, like a lot of times, Clemson fans will ask me about Deshaun, but. I I didn't start till October of 2016, so I only covered four games with him. Um, so I always defer people to you because you know him. There were a, lot a good four games though. <laughs> they were. They were. That that they true. were important. <laughs> that is true. But I'm curious, kind of, how you think he will respond to this DeAndre Hopkins trade. Like, what's next for him as a quarterback? A lot of people are obviously being like, you know, pray for Deshaun. This is a bad situation. Like, how do you think he handles this?
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting um, because. You know the nfl obviously it's not like the nba and stuff where like players can always leverage their way out of situations and you're seeing that like with uh with Dak prescott who you know hasn't agreed to the deals the cowboys given him so then he's being franchise tagged and you know like the odds a guy like Dak prescott or ever actually just hit the over market are so slim and, and same same with deshaun watson but you know this trade um with, for hopkins happened in the same off that uh, Deshaun is allowed to renegotiate or begin to negotiate a, a contract extension, and you know all, like I said earlier, all these all these contracts always kind of reset the market. But you know, depending on where he fits in, whether it's before or after Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, it could be like the richest contract in football. But you know, now this kind of this Hopkins deal provides this angle of at least some fans saying, like, man, you shouldn't even like sign the extension, don't let Bill O'Brien ruin your career, yada, yada. And, you know, I don't necessarily know if he would go that far. That would be quite the bold step to just continue to hold out, wait to hit the open market. But, like, his agent even, like, sent kind of a cryptic tweet after it happened. And obviously he was really close with um, DeAndre Hopkins and with the Clemson connection and stuff. And then on the field they were just very, very productive together. So I think it does leave him in kind of a hard spot because there really is no way to say that this deal makes them, um, like, a better football team in, in the short term. And in the long term, it's only going to get harder for them to be good when they have to pay him, um, you know, the richest contract in football. And they have to pay Larry Tunsil, who they traded for last year, left tackle, um, probably the richest contract to his position because they gave up a ton to get him. And Tunsil holds all the leverage. So um, I I certainly think it is not um, boost his chances of winning a Super Bowl, at least uh, as of now. But, you know, I think they obviously have more moves ahead of them or they wouldn't have um, made such a a brash move. Or at least you would think. Who who knows at this point?
1: (laughs) One would think. Aaron... Erin, before we let you go, um, we're going to need you to give us and our listeners one thing that they can do while they're stuck at home. And it can be maybe it's your favorite sports movie and you're going to recommend a rewatch or it's a hobby they should take up. But give our listeners something you recommend that we do when we're stir crazy.
2: Oh, I just um, I just burned through the HBO uh, series The Outsider. Have either of you guys watched that? I did,
1: too. I just finished it two nights ago.
2: Yeah, it's uh it's very good. And it actually reminds me of another um show on Netflix called uh The Stranger. S- similar titles, but uh, um, but they're <laughs> they're a little bit different, but they both kind of like have the same sort of like eerie like slow-burning thriller type of thing. And like so it's like a perfect thing to kind of binge over the course of like 2 or 3 days.
1: Awesome. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. And everyone can go read Aaron's coverage of the Texans and the impact of the the fallout of the DeAndre Hopkins trade and and all of the above um, on our site, The Athletic, just slash Houston slash NFL, whatever. Whatever will get you there. But Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. And now we'll uh, transition into talking about kind of the state of Clemson football and really college football in general with everything shut down. Grace, um, walk us through, I guess, how far Clemson did make it through spring ball before um, ACC and the schools basically shut everything down and sent students home.
0: Yeah, so Clemson is actually, I mean, this is obviously a, a terrible circumstance across the world, but if we're putting it in a college football lens, Clemson's in a really good spot. Um, they, they, they start practice pretty early every year, and we've talked about this before on this podcast where it's like, they get right off the field in January and right back on it in February. Um, but this year in particular, that meant that they got in nine of the 15 practices that they're allowed to have, obviously number 15 being the spring game. Um, so they're like right at 60% and the big one they got in their pro day. So um, in relative terms, I would I would say Clemson should probably consider itself pretty lucky.
1: Yeah, that, that's definitely a lot farther than people – other people have gotten. I mean, there there are some coaches, and, and I'm working on a broader story on this, and our whole staff is collaborating about how coaches are approaching the loss of spring ball. And there are some that didn't start at all. There are some that got like one or two or three practices in. Um, Air Force almost finished. They had 13 practices in. So it's very different depending on where you are. Um, but it's, it's, it's one thing that's for certain is that everyone is dealing with an unprecedented situation. And You know, I mean, obviously, they shut down recruiting. We're in a dead period. Um, All these players got sent home and are going to be, I guess, tasked with trying to study football and work out at home and kind of keep themselves working and growing and developing. Um, But it's totally unprecedented. And I, I wonder, you know, what Clemson can do with their athletes Or what you think they're doing with their athletes kind of as this begins to get underway. And we're kind of all the whole country is in this boat this week where everyone's kind of sitting at home getting a little stir crazy.
0: Right. So so it's kind of a weird situation with Clemson. And I'm sure a lot of schools are also in this same position. But Clemson is on spring break this week. So um, their athletes were going to be gone anyway, obviously this week. Um, We know that Clemson is going to go online until at least April 5th. Uh, We talked to Clemson baseball coach Monty Lee actually this week on a media teleconference. And he was kind of saying, you know, if the kids can come back on April 5th, which at this point is still kind of a big if because this thing is changing every single day, then they'll try to Determine okay, what can they do logistically baseball operations wise that kind of stuff, and I would imagine that that's probably the same with football. I mean I'm sure that you know this week has probably been one of a lot of meetings, a lot of communication uh, but imagine you know Clemson's probably putting together uh, workout plans and and nutrition plans and all that kind of stuff to send to their players virtually um and then just just kind of go from there you know they're I talked to their team psychologist. This week, who was saying that, you know, the resources are there mentally and, and they're going to continue communicating to, to make sure all these kids are, you know, doing OK, because this, as you said, really is uh, just completely unprecedented.
1: Yeah, I've been talking to some strength coaches and some head coaches all over the country this week. And one of the things that um, I was talking to Navy strength coach and he made a great point that they're extremely concerned about the mental health of their athletes more so than the physical and I mean certainly like keeping yourself a little bit active at home and if you have a backyard to get out to you know that that, that stuff is good and it does help with with your mental state but he was talking about just kind of FaceTiming players just to check in on them and talk to them um and so they're having that human interaction he was putting his his little kids on with the players who his kids worship um and just kind of having that that interaction and I feel like that's going to be something that teams are figuring out too because you know they can communicate via Teamworks. you know they can send out messages to everyone but it sounds like schools are starting staffs are starting to you know look at google hangouts and facetime and things like that just to get that face-to-face, even if it's through a screen, because, you know, that is something that they all, coaches and players, really love about coaching in general, right? It's it's those For personal sure. relationships. For sure. I mean, I think that's
0: what we all love about sports and watching sports is it's this sense of community and camaraderie. And um, yeah, at Clemson, I expect to, to kind of do that same thing with FaceTime. And, you know, I've thought a lot about it in terms of a football team, I mean, you, you've got a hundred kids, you know, like you need to make sure every single one of them is okay. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just that. in talking to Clemson psychologist, he was saying, you know, this is, this is a time where they can really tap into their loved ones, their teammates. Like there's a ton about this situation that is completely uncontrollable. Um, but what they can control is, OK, let's try to continue to foster a sense of community, stay in touch. And like you said, get that FaceTime, too, because even seeing a face through a screen, I would think is a big difference from, you know, just getting an email or a text message.
1: What? So were there some advice that we can take? Because I'm also feeling that way. Yeah. Should we have like a virtual happy hour this week, Grace?
0: Oh, my gosh. Who was it? It was Audrey Snyder, our Penn State writer, who sent us a group chat saying, what did she say in her text she, message? She wants <laughs>
1: to do a virtual power hour.
0: <laughs> that is hilarious and, like, so on brand. Um, I did yoga yesterday. I don't know. We could do, like, a... The Athletic actually did, like, a group workout class, didn't
1: they? Or they're planning one. Yeah, they are. Oh, they're planning one. Okay. Are you going to do it? Sure. I mean, I've also been doing, like, group Peloton rides with other people yeah. who have them. Um But I feel like, I feel like group Google Hangouts and things like that, um, I saw a lot of my friends were doing virtual St. Paddy's parties last night. Oh, that's kind of fun. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of the weirdest part because I know, I'm sure you're having this too, where people are talking to you about like working from home because we work from home. But it feels so different because you can't just run to a coffee shop or go to the gym or like have lunch with a friend, right? Like it feels so, I feel so much more trapped and it's so different and like, I have no advice for anyone about that, except, like, I don't know, eat healthy food throughout the day and stop drinking coffee around lunchtime, like, so that you can go to sleep. That's all That's all I really got.
0: I know. So, I mean, usually whenever people ask us about working from home, I say exactly what you just said. Like, when I get stir crazy, I try to go to the gym, or I weirdly love to grocery shop, or I go to a coffee shop, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, there is just absolutely nothing that we can be doing right now which is yeah i don't know just like the the sinking feeling of it all is like knowing that the option is not there like at least if there are days when i don't go to the gym it's because i chose not to go to the gym
1: you know yeah to not have the choice is the hard part and i think um i think that's what's what's tough I've i've been watching a lot of sports movies because we are working on a big project um at the athletic which I'm very excited about um, and very excited to be part of. And Grace, I've got to tell you, some of these movies hold up much better than others. Um, Air Bud holds up really well. (laughs) Does it? Okay, I'll add it to my list. Um, I watched I rewatched Summer Catch on Tuesday night with um, our colleague Peter Baugh, (laughs) and because I knew that Peter would do it with me, and he did. So we were texting throughout. Um, that movie has a couple of plot lines. There's a lot of fat shaming and like some things that definitely don't hold up. Um, but Freddie Prince Jr. is like peak Freddie Prince Jr. in sport in movies and rom coms. So um, so that was pretty good. I rewatched Hoosiers on Sunday. So I've been like oh, trying movie. to get through some of those sports movies I haven't seen in a long time. What are you doing to cope?
0: Yeah, so I watched, I rewatched my all-time favorite, which is Space Jam. I firmly hmm. I will take it to my grave that that's the greatest sports movie ever made. Um, Let's see. What else have I been doing? Oh, I started Love is Blind on Netflix, yes. which is not sports-related, but that is an absolute train wreck.
1: Well, um, the best part about that is that we're all kind of in pods now.
0: That's true. Yeah, we are. And then I've also been, and this is actually something that I'm hoping Clemson fans will be excited about, I inspired by Andy Staples, where he put out the like here are 10 of the best college football games to watch. I got a message from a Clemson reader saying like, okay, can you make that same list, but make it Clemson specific? And so that's what I have working this week. And like you could honestly, truly, you could pick all 10 games in the Dabo Sweeney era era if you really wanted to. Um, And probably I think eight of my 10 actually are in the Dabo era. Uh, but that's been cool just to kind of go down like there's so much about clemson football that happened obviously before I, you know i i'm still relatively new to clemson football in 2016 like there's a, a whole program that <laughs> existed well before i was alive so that's been kind of cool to educate myself and to also maybe garner up some nostalgia for some readers
1: yeah i think i think watching back old games is um is next on my list after i exhaust my sports movies Because there's so many and, you know, ESPN is replaying some college basketball games. Like it's honestly, I think that's the way to go, because, you know, there's just so many games. And and when do we get a chance to rewatch them? Not not very often. I mean, like we do for our job sometimes, but, um, you know, for fans who are busy, you're just kind of keeping up with whatever is currently happening. So for sure. Yeah.
0: I mean, you could even with some of these Clemson games, it's like. Even narrowing it down the last five years has been crazy. Like you could you could pick both Fiesta Bowls if you wanted to. If you're a Clemson fan, you know, like thirty to zero is probably just as enjoyable as this 2019 Fiesta Bowl, which was the one that actually made my list. But I, I don't know. There's just a gazillion different options. How many of the title games did you include? I included all three: 81, 16, and 18. I just felt like. I just felt like I can't make a list of here are all the games you should watch without being like, here are the three biggest games yeah. in your program's history. But Fair. my number one is um, the Renfro catch. And I don't, I don't feel like people would, would argue. No, with me on I that would, one.
1: I would put that. I think I put that. I think we had something that we had to do earlier in the year about like the moments of the decade that you remember and, um, or games. And that was, that was mine for sure. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's, It's going to be fun um, to to rewatch and revisit some of those things. You know, one thing when going back to Love is Blind, um, which if you're not familiar with it, it, the premise is that you're dating without seeing the other person. I have been mulling this idea in my head and now we're kind of in this reality. But like, wouldn't it be awesome if coaches had to recruit like that? Oh, my gosh. I mean, obviously they have film, so it would kind of be like you'd have to not see film and not know like what level athlete you're talking about. But I would love, I would watch, I would watch a show If you put a bunch of prospects varying levels that are like in these little pods going and talking to Dabo, Nick Saban, oh my Brian God. Day, right? And like, what are they going to talk about if they don't, you know, if you can't evaluate them as an athlete? Like, isn't that a great concept? Don't you think we should make this happen?
0: Okay, so for those of our our listeners who don't know what Love is Blind is, it's basically a bunch of singles who are potentially going to get engaged to each other, but they cannot physically see each other in the flesh until after they are engaged. So they're sitting here having these conversations five feet apart from each other um, so they can hear tone of voice and all that good stuff, but there is a wall in between them and they cannot pick up on physical appearance, body language, any of that kind of stuff. So your premise, Nicole, I'm... I'm totally in for i think i'm more interested though in how the recruits feel about the coaches than the coaches feel about the recruits in this particular situation like what is what are some of these crazy college coaches without seeing their hand gestures and i don't know like can you imagine like talking to mike leach from a wall
1: right and like where does that conversation go like what do, right. are they <laughs> asking you about what are you asking them like I would love... then. then they would cut away and we could do, like, those one-on-one interviews with the subjects, right? Where they just talk to the camera, like... <laughs> the ITMs. The ITMs. Like, I would love it. And I feel like we're kind of close to that because recruiting is obviously in a dead period. And, um, you know, I think all coaches can really do is text and FaceTime their players right now that they're recruiting. So we're sort of there, but I think we make it a show, we become rich, and that is our path forward, right? <laughs> then we... Yeah, okay, I'm in. We can still do this podcast. We can still do the podcast, but this is where the great idea originated. Um, and on that note, we will let you go, because we um, we will be back, I'm sure, sporadically. Um, who knows? I mean, that's kind of... Again, I've talked to a lot of college football coaches this week, and nobody really knows what's next, um, or how this is all going to work, how long things are going to be shut down. But... We will be all over it at The Athletic. Grace will be all over Clemson developments, um, and as well as giving you guys awesome things to keep up with, like re-watching old videos and things like that. Again, Aaron Reese covers the Houston Texans, which um clearly have some interesting Clemson-related storylines, so you can read his work. Um, so we'll be around, we'll be following all the uh incremental updates. Um, and we're just as uncertain as the rest of you. So everyone, stay safe, wash your hands, um, and we will talk to you soon. For Grace Rainer, I'm Nicole Auerbach, and this was Protect the Rock.